Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Monday afternoon, and it actually feels like a Monday. This feels like the first normal Monday in about three weeks, and we are glad to be sharing it with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, online at supertalk.fm. Thanks for joining us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. And I think we've got a few things to talk about today. It's almost like the NFL's got this whole playoffs thing figured out. What a weekend. Two games on Saturday, one in the afternoon, one on Saturday night. Two games yesterday, uh, only one of which Michael Borky and Brian Haydad are interested in talking about, I think. Accurate? Oh, can't I mean, wait, only one about the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks were great. <laughs> yeah, how about that DK Metcalf? Who? Well, he's pro- proving guys wrong every day. Yeah. It's a good thing that uh, Seattle didn't make decisions based on shuttle run times. <laughs> <laughs> Rippy and I were talking about this morning. That still is the most baffling reason that anybody fell in the draft because well it's three cone drill time yeah but the, the, he's six foot three 235 pounds why would you ever need him to run those little intermediate routes like no team would ever ask him to do that so why was that the detriment that's like saying you know what i really like this defensive end but he's not a good pass catcher so i'm not going to draft him yeah, we talked with Deuce on, uh, I guess it was Friday, and you know, he talked about Michael Thomas's ability to play both positions, and maybe that's the reason that he's the best pass catcher in the game. He can line up on the outside. He can line up in the slot. They're not really asking that of DK Metcalf. They move him around. They line him up in some different spots, but uh, that is not the primary responsibility for uh, young DK Metcalf in the um, – uh, offense for Seattle. It seems to have uh, worked out pretty well. A.J. Brown seems to have worked out pretty well despite a quiet game in the Titans' win over the New England Patriots. Did a dynasty come to an end? Hot takes coming up at 4 o'clock in winners and losers. Or something like that. Uh, it felt different, though, on Saturday night, didn't it? Felt awesome. For the resident Titans fan, Brian's got rippy. Yeah, I told Borky it was like the first time in my adult life that I've gotten to be like obnoxious meathead sports fan. That's was a full it? advantage. Prodding Saints no fans going back stirring now. the pot. Uh, I believe my last statement to the numerous group texts uh, to y'all, uh, possibly at an establishment on the square, will not confirm or deny, was Richard got snipped by Dr. Harden and we snipped Belichick. So that will be my only statement on the matter, and any other inquiries can be referred to my lawyer, Brian Haydad. I was just disappointed to uh, learn that you guys were not all huddled around your televisions watching uh, that epic overtime battle between SMU and Vanderbilt on Saturday night in Nashville. 
Who won that game? Playing opposite the Titans and the Patriots. Without listening, you called a better game than Booger. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. That is the number for you to be a part of the conversation this afternoon. And my guess is there's a lot that you are going to want to talk about. Winners and losers will come your way this afternoon at 4 o'clock, as it does every single Monday. Uh, there will be some local flavor. There will be some NFL flavor in that. And uh, a few other things. Mississippi State's coaching search has now moved to day... Did that all come down on four. Friday? This is day Thursday. Four. I'll call it four. Yeah, it happened on Thursday because Mississippi State had a women's basketball that name. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We're into the fourth day. Although technically, I guess it began last Thursday as uh, John Cohen told us he was leaving immediately and uh, getting on the trail for the uh, coaching search on Thursday afternoon. We'll get into that in just uh, a couple of minutes with you. Uh, reaction from Southern Miss's bowl game on Saturday. Kind of weird for that game to be played as late as it was, right? And not late in the day, but you know, so far after all of the other bowl games. It was quite the opposite. Ju- it was like abnormally early in the day. Yeah. No, I understand that, but I'm talking about in terms of on the calendar. And then you got another one tonight that is of great interest, I would imagine, to some Mississippi State people. Probably not the game itself, but what happens after it. But it is kind of weird. It feels like the title game should be tonight. The Lending Tree Bowl coming your way from Mobile tonight. And uh, that is the final game other than the national championship game of the season. That one kicks off at 6.30. It is on your television on ESPN the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, and the Miami of Ohio football team. The Red Hawks, is that right? That is correct. The Red Hawks, correct. Correct. Yeah. To make them the Skyhawks. And uh, if you're wanting to do a pick of the day, the uh, Miami of Ohio Red Hawks are basically bad at everything. The fact that they made a bowl is remarkable because offensively they are 90 or worse in most every category. 8-5, and five, though. They didn't just sneak in. It's remarkable. They kicked the door down, Borky. <laughs> Wait, eight and five, then they played in their conference title game? If I will uh, click on this link, I can uh, give you the answer to that. Uh, beat Central Michigan? Yeah, Jim McElwain's Chippewas, who are down a quarterback because he juiced, just like Will Greer. <laughs> there you go. Borky out swinging. On Monday. Uh, big news out of Tuscaloosa today. Tua is not coming back. The Saints game, wild card weekend, basketball action. Not a lot of fun for the teams in Oxford and Starkville. Uh, Dallas Cowboys have hired a new football coach, it appears. After a sleepover. Do what? Wait, you didn't see this story, Richard? Yes. So Mike McCarthy, the new Cowboys coach, uh, agreed to become the Cowboys' new coach after he slept over at Jerry Jones's house last night. Here is a direct report. This is from Adam Schefter, okay? Not a fake Twitter account. Adam Schefter. Quote, New Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy stayed over at Jerry Jones's house on Saturday night per, per a source. Quote, Once you stay at Jerry's house, he doesn't lose his guy. I mean, were all the rooms booked at the... Uh... <laughs> 
Hotel Zaza in Dallas or something? I mean, you couldn't put him up in some five-star hotel downtown? No. He stayed at Jerry Jones's house last night for a sleepover, became the coach the next day. Maybe they just drank too much Johnny Walker Blue Label and they want to Uber spilling the beans about the whereabouts. I don't know. Possibly. Possibly so. more than likely, to be totally honest. Hey, Dad, we'll dive a little deeper into it, but uh, just kind of high level, where are we in terms of the coaching search in Starkville as uh, Mississippi State looking for a new football guy? Uh, I think we, we can scratch a couple of guys off the list. Uh, Mark Who are you scratching? Can, Mark Hutzpeth is off, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to scratch Billy Napier off at this point. I just don't feel like that's 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 the way this is trending. Could be wrong, but right now I don't think Billy Napier is the next head coach at Mississippi State. I mean, is, is it that because... grain of salt sitting next to you, next to the mic? <laughs> it's a whole shaker. You calm down over there, sir. Calm down. Um, uh, are you scratching him off the list because he has multiple times said that he's not a candidate for the job? Well, that that's a that's a good reason. If you're if you're going to start somewhere, that would be a good place to start with. You know, the horse's mouth. Uh, but that said, yeah, I mean, since Friday, you know, when that stuff gets reported by guys like Brett McMurphy and Ross Dellinger, I tend to buy into that. And then, you know, everything that's happened since then, you know, he's been no commenting. And then when he finally did comment, hey, I'm not a candidate. Um, the, the hot rumor is that he was supposed to interview last night and that did not happen. Uh, so we're just sort of, I, I don't see Billy Napier being the next head coach at Mississippi State. To be fair, though, if that hadn't have been reported uh, almost immediately last week, and he was just saying no, I'm not on his own merit, then it would be put different. A ton of stock into that. That out, you're correct. If if he was just you know playing the the, the game there, yeah. But when you have national guys coming out, and I, I've, I've I've talked to a few other people as well, you know, and uh, they all say the same thing. He he's not he's just not that interested. He's just not someone, that into you, Mississippi State. Yeah, I, I had someone tell me on Friday night that's kind of in the general industry i'll just kind of leave it there that billy napier is an interesting guy he is extremely loyal to louisiana lafayette and he is going to be very very selective in making his decision there is intrigue on the part of billy napier in the possibility of the Baylor job coming open if matt rule were to get the giants job or the carolina panthers job and move on to the NFL. It sounds like those are the two most likely landing spots for him if he were to leave for the NFL. Uh, A guy that grew up in New York City talking about Matt Rule and uh, somebody that's been intriguing to the Giants going back to the early 2010s, around 2012, uh, and that that's a job that Billy Napier might have some interest in. But beyond that was going to be extremely selective because he believes he's going to have another good team next year in uh, there in Lafayette. And, you know, you win 10 or 11 games again next season. Guess what? Even if you don't take a job this year, you are right back where you were this offseason in terms of people being interested in you because you win football games. All right, so we'll talk about some of the twists and turns, reportedly, from the Mississippi State coaching search over the weekend. When we come back, Luke Johnson will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line to talk some Southern Miss about 20 minutes from now as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday. We'll be right back. One week from today, we will likely not be talking about Mississippi State's coaching search. We will be getting you set for the national championship game. Rippy said it a second ago. This is a long break. 
what was it, 15 days between college football playoff semifinals and, or four, uh, was it 16 days? Three 16 NFL days. Sundays have happened, I saw since. That's kind of Will crazy. Will have happened. Will have happened. That's right. You've still got to get through this. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's but an that's NFL a, this weekend? I wasn't aware. Yeah, no, there wasn't. Just on Saturday, the, the Titans won. That was cool. That's about next weekend, though. The season's over. Oh, I don't yeah, know what no. y'all are talking about. Kirk yeah. Cousins, the new Flacco. Yeah. I guess the vibe in New Orleans will be a little bit different next weekend than it might would have been if you had Saints in a division round game and LSU playing for the national championship the next night. Probably better for safety purposes that didn't happen. <laughs> Maybe so. Um, all right, let's dive in on, on this coaching search for Mississippi State. Billy Napier quoted as saying that he has made a decision to not be a candidate. Hey, Dad, you say that you are comfortable kind of marking his name off the list, so you do believe him. There are a lot of people that think that this is posturing or just kind of kicking the can down the road until he can get through his football game tonight. That, that, that is definitely, you know, a possibility. Uh, but if it is posturing, th- this is, you know, I'll be pretty blunt about this. Billy Napier's lying to somebody. He's either lying to the people who he's saying he has no interest in, or he's lying to people who are coming back and saying, yes, he does have interest in. Somebody's getting lied to. I don't know that Napier's doing it. It could be his people. It could be whoever. But somebody's getting lied to. So you have to ask yourself what's more likely, that he's going to lie to the national media the people like Ross Dellinger and Brett McMurphy, who, if he took a bigger job, he would, you know, want their coverage, would want their, you know, support at times. Or is he lying to the people who, hey, if I'm not taking this job, what do I care? I don't ever have to talk to these people again anyway. Okay. And I, I just, just for me, it makes more sense for him to go the other way with that. That and he's just been, you know, within a couple of hours, you know, I think we were we were on the air when that tweet came out from again from Brett McMurphy, hey. He's not interested. He's not a candidate. Uh, you go through a couple of days. He, he has a press conference. I'm not interested. I'm not a candidate. You know, great, great job. Very humble to be considered, but I'm, I'm not a candidate for it. I think you know, in this day and age where you know everybody wants to harken back to Nick Saban saying he was not going to be the coach of the Miami Dolphins. Since that day, have we had a coach just come out and say I'm not going to take that job, and then ended up taking that job? I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know that that's the case. And, and, you know, and I'm, with all, I'm John Cohen. I don't want that. I don't want my first day on the job for my new head coach to be the national media saying, well, here's this guy who just spent the whole week saying he wasn't taking this job. So, it, With all due respect everywhere that it's intended, comparing this to Nick Saban is a stretch. Nick Saban had won a national championship in college and was a sitting football coach in the National Football League with games games left to play in his season. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm not leaving. And at that point, he probably was not planning to leave. At the point at which he said, I'm not going to be the head coach at Alabama. He probably would like a do-over, might prefer to have said it a different way. But probably also didn't care how he was perceived one way or the other. Media's also changed since then, and the yeah. way people handle things probably a little more sophisticated than just playing dumb. Yeah. A lot of times, like in ter- like playing dumb in terms of I'm not going to do it. Like I will not be the coach. Like because to hey, Dad's point, when's the last time someone said that? Like just straight up, it may have happened. I just like I can't remember. Most guys are like, you know, throw out some cliche that kind of especially if it's the question. 
if it's you know, uh, are you talking to you know are are you talking to other pl- places right? That that's vague enough that you can say, oh no, you know I'm not you know or or whatever. Are you still going to be the head coach here? Blah blah blah. But when you come out and specifically say the school, are you going to be the head coach at Mississippi State? No, I am not going to be the head coach at Mississippi State. There's no wiggle room there. There's no there's yeah. no room for interpretation. Well, and I mean, just in this coaching cycle, you can go back to Mike Norvell. He was asked repeatedly about the Florida State job. And at one point about the old Miss job, but it became more and more about the Florida State job. And he just continued to say, guys, I'm not talking about any other jobs. My focus is on this Memphis football team and the bowl game that we're about to play. We're trying to get ready for the Cotton Bowl. We're trying to go win a ball game. And he was able to somehow kind of keep that focus in check, get through that game before almost immediately being announced as the next head coach of the Florida State Seminoles. But, I mean, it all leaked out before then. The deal got done before the actual game happened. That's all that if Billy Napier was planning to take the Mississippi State job or was genuinely interested in the Mississippi State job, that's all he'd have to say. Yeah, It would make no sense whatsoever for him to personally come out and say, I'm not a candidate for that job. All he would have to say is, guys, I'm not talking about any other jobs. I'm the head coach of Louisiana, and we've got a football game on Monday night, and that is entirely where my focus is right now. Right. right. It, it's too easy are... to get around it. Yeah. Some people on the text line here uh, from the six six two saying Dan Mullen said he was not going. He was going back to Florida, or didn't Mullen say he was wasn't taking the Tennessee or the Florida job? No. He was just asked, "Are you staying at Mississippi State?" Or are you, you know, he, he that's what he always made his answer. I'm happy here at Mississippi State, not looking for other jobs. That's not nailing him down and saying, are you taking the Florida job? No, nobody asked that question. So, Okay, let me back up for a second. Well, because with Dan, it was never one job. Let me, let me correct myself sure. real quick, though. Mike Norvell did not coach in the Cotton Bowl. Thank you for saying that. His focus was on the conference championship game. Right, right, right. And he said he wasn't making a decision until after that. They got through the conference championship game won that game, and then he was announced the next morning, the following Sunday morning, officially, or maybe it was even Saturday night where he was announced. It certainly got out before then that he was going to be named the head coach. And then it was Ryan Silverfield. Silverfield? Is that right? Silver? Yeah. Some, I think it's Silverfield. Uh, that was given the job and coached Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. Thank you. Uh, Jason says Tom Herman did it about the Texas job when he was at Houston. Incorrect. Okay. He was asked a general question, are you going to be the head coach of Houston next year? And he said yes. Was not asked, are you going to be the coach at Texas? Yeah. Um. So, if not Billy Napier, Joe Judge's name has gotten a ton of discussion, some momentum. A lot of people feel like maybe that's the direction this is headed if you're not familiar with that name, if you haven't been following this coaching search with you know every tittle of information that comes out, currently the special teams coach, coordinator, and this year worked with wide receivers for the New England Patriots, working on a Ph.D. for Mississippi State, previously worked at Mississippi State under Sylvester Croom, also spent some time with Nick Saban, has been with the New England Patriots for the better part of a decade and his wife is a former Mississippi State soccer player. Is he now the odds-on favorite to be the coach? 
I wouldn't say he's the odds-on favorite, but he's the hot name today. Um, you know, definitely has the, uh, the, the 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 Twitter sphere and the the rumor mill circulating. He's interesting. His resume is so interesting because uh, he's never been a coordinator of any kind. Uh, so he's never called plays. Um, but when you when you when you talk about you know state having these discipline issues, and we kept talking about culture a lot in the past few days. And this guy's been with with Saban and Belichick. I think that's sort of you know, that's a, that's a good start for for if you want to fix your culture. Those are two guys who might have a, an idea of how to do it. Um, with him, it would all be about the kind of staff he could put together. And there've been some some big names rumored, you know, in the assistant coaching ranks, big names rumored to to be potentially willing to come on board if he gets the job. Um, but that said, it feels like another risk. You know, it feels even more risky than than you were with Moorhead. If, but at the same time, it sort of feels like. That's sort of the Cohen mo, right? Cohen hasn't gone out and, and gotten the uh, the obvious choice in any of his coaching searches yet, uh, so that could be something to consider. But for me, I think Joe Judge right right now he's probably he, he's the slight favorite. He's definitely the hot name, but uh, we'll we'll see how the search continues. I, I I don't know that he's the guy. Ross Dellinger just reported that Gene Chizik is no longer a candidate for the Mississippi State job. Oh darn! Did you hear that, you hear that noise? That was the sigh of relief from every Mississippi State fan. If I don't know if you could hear it, I heard it. Nobody wanted that to happen. That would have been the worst case scenario. Nothing against Chiswick, you know. I'm sure he's a nice enough guy, but you talk about not exciting anybody unless he's you know, somehow bringing Cam Newton back with him. Um, Todd Grantham, defensive coordinator at Florida, spent time as defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Uh, what a year? A couple of years? It was one year, seventeen. Right? Mullen's last 2017 year, yeah. under Dan Mullen. Has a lot of support from the players currently on the team. You're seeing a lot of uh, Todd Grantham from, from current MSU players. And would definitely bring that hard edge and discipline that, that John Cohen was talking about on Friday. I was thinking a lot about the decision that John Cohen has got to make here. And we'll talk a little bit more about this when we come back. And we'll continue to take your thoughts on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Luke Johnson will join us when we come back on the Farm Bureau phone line. So we'll take a, a break from this conversation and then get back to some Mississippi State stuff in just a little bit. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Monday afternoon. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com, and go with the home team. Luke Johnson joins us, co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. Luke, the hope after the weekend was that Southern Miss fans were going to, in terms of football, have something to smile about going into the offseason. Uh, met up with Tulane on uh, on Saturday, and in hindsight, not a whole lot to smile about when this one was said and done. Not at all. There was a lot to smile about after the first quarter. Eagles uh, went down on two different offensive drives and scored. Jack Abraham hit Quez Watkins, 44-yard touchdown pass, and then Jack ran one in. Um, and then after that, it was just all green wave. Um, second quarter, the defense uh, played pretty well in the first half. Of the second quarter held them to uh, two field goals inside the Golden Eagle 20-yard line. But, man, the, second, uh, the, the third quarter, it was all about adjustments. Golden Eagles really didn't make any. Tulane scored 24 points in the third quarter, and 
And that was really it. And that's how you got to 30 to 13. It was uh, extremely frustrating for Golden Eagle fans uh, to see a team start so hot and really uh, not do much, especially in the second half the rest of the game. 13 to nothing, 13 to 6 at the half, 24 unanswered in the third quarter. And then nobody scored in the uh, in the fourth quarter, thirty to thirteen. The final. Southern Miss finishes the year seven and six, same record for uh, Tulane, seven and six when it was uh, when it was all said and done. Saw both quarterbacks play, or, or two quarterbacks play in the game. Uh, Jack Abraham seventeen of twenty three, one sixty seven, a touchdown, no picks. Tate Watley played in the game. He was nine of twenty two for one thirty four. Does that mean anything going into uh, into twenty twenty that both of those guys played that much? Well, Tate came in because Jack got hit late in the second quarter and, and had okay. a bruised shoulder right before half. He came out at the second half, tried to throw the ball some, so they were kind of forced to go to Tate Watley. A lot of Golden Eagle fans wanted to see Tate Watley play uh, because of some of the things he did as a true freshman. Um, he, he threw a bad pick, throwing back across his body uh, in the third quarter, and that's where the game started getting out of hand. So, um, you know, couple of interceptions, uh, but Jack would, wasn't making really any mistakes. He looked pretty good in the first quarter. Tulane adjusted to him. Yeah, I mean, I still think it's Jack Abraham's job to lose, and that's the way it'll start in, in the spring. But now when you throw Jaden Johnson, who's a very good, a true freshman quarterback, you see what he's got. Um, you know, who, who knows? This has always been a coaching staff um, that's kind of, you know, left a question mark at who might start. But, you know, Abraham – uh, it would definitely be his job to lose going into the spring. If not for the injury, does the game go differently in the second half? It could have been. More than even Abraham, uh, the Michael Harris got injured in the first half also and had a hamstring. And they were without him the rest of the game. And uh, A good sign for Golden Eagle fans, Travinsky Mosley played uh, in this game and his seven carries for 43 yards. He looked pretty good and and. It makes sense now why we didn't see him going down the stretch. I think probably the plan is to redshirt him. He only played four games. He's a true sophomore. So what they were able to do was to put the Michael Harris in the slot position, put him in the backfield also, and they just lost that dimension when D-Mike went down. And unfortunately, that was his last game in the black and gold. So uh, they, they lost. Uh, you lose a, a, a burner like Harris, and then you lose Jack Abraham. And so uh, Watley gets thrown in right in the middle, and he hadn't played much. He played more than as a true freshman than he did uh, this entire year. And um, Tulane had adjusted, and so you not only got an adjusted defense, you got a guy making uh, really his first appearance in, in, a, in a long time. And it was just a bad combination for the Eagles in the second half. And, and more than that, I think Willie Fritz really uh, saw where he could exploit the Southern Miss defense, and, and especially in the secondary. And, they went to in the second half what I thought they would go to in the first quarter, a lot of RPO stuff to let, let McMillan you know, get on the edge, and he took advantage of them, and they came out firing in the second half, hit a deep pass, and then it was just all green wave after that. So, Luke, as you put a bow on this season and, and kind of look ahead to 2020, the schedule at the beginning of the year looks a little bit different than it did this year. Mississippi State and Alabama were two teams from the SEC. Next year... It's a road trip to Auburn in week three, and then later in the season, a trip to Lynchburg, Virginia for a game with Liberty that will be played on October 24th. The other two non-conference games, South Alabama and Jackson State. And then obviously you're in, in league play as well. What's the... Is there importance 
beyond just wins and losses and getting to a bowl game next year for Jay Hobson and this team? Or is it just kind of go out and do your thing and you, you, you know on the opposite end of things, of not getting to bowl games, how bad it can be, and right now the program's got stability and it's getting to the postseason, even if it's not achieving as much as fans would like to see. What 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 should be the mindset for a year from now? Uh, from a fan's perspective, they nobody would put a bow on this season at all. It's going to be a hard time before they let this season go. I know there's a lot of people that are just frustrated. Well, by a bow, I just mean ending it. No, it's, I, I, it's know, over. I know what you meant by it, to, to end it. But the way they would end it is they would have a bad taste in their mouth going forward. And the simple reason is it's going to, you're going to be hard-pressed um, unless you can really, really get these JUCO guys to produce the amount of the amount of talent um, that that they had and what they could have done with Quez Watkins announces over the weekend that he's uh, he's headed to the NFL draft. Um, there's been some question, you know, about some other guys on the roster. Uh, you lose, uh, you know, the, the whole lineman winner up front. Uh, you lose some big guys on the defensive line. You lose DQ Thomas. So I think Southern Miss fans felt like this was a year where you know they could compete for a conference championship, and then you look and you finish third in your division. And um, I, I think the, the frustration comes with if we couldn't if we couldn't do what we expect to do this year, it's going to be really tough to do it next year. Um, you do have a senior quarterback who will be a three year starter, and uh, maybe you get some to fill in a few few holes at the wide receiver position. But it's going to take Golden Eagle fans. Uh, I think probably the, the air around Hattiesburg right now with the baseball season is less than two months away, and that's what's calling everybody to maybe even put a smile on their face today. But mm-hmm. this season is going to sit in the gut of Golden Eagle fans for quite a, quite some time. Is there a significant amount of pressure on Jay Hobson going into next year? Uh, I think there there needs to be a better showing than what happened this year. Um, when you look at what Conference USA did against other group of five schools, specifically the Sun Belt, and when you look at how, when you break down this schedule of this season, Golden Eagles only had one win against a winning uh, a team with a winning record, and that was UAB, and they got beat by two touchdowns in their bowl game against a Sun Belt opponent. So, yeah, you you finish third in the in the in the division next year, and I'm not saying there's a hot seat on on Coach Hop, um, but there's going to be the, the the cries will be a little louder. Um, the important thing is there. The excitement that they got with some of these guys that they signed, um, there needs to be on-field results pretty quick next year. Yeah. Um, quick turn of the page to basketball, which has been a, uh, a struggle so far. 4-14 Four and 14 for the uh, men's basketball team to start the year. and you knew it was going to be a, a difficult season. You know, Doc Sadler had really gotten his teams to play hard, and, and they had had some success, and were kind of moving in the right direction. But you lose some guys... And a tough road and a tough schedule for Jay Ladner early as well. Yeah, non-conference. We've talked about that, um, you know, so much. But you start off your two conference games against. Uh, we call it a doubleheader. You play La Tech twice yeah. in a row. He's going to be at the top of Conference USA. They beat Mississippi State earlier in the year, and uh, you lose both of them. I was at um, the game in Hattiesburg on December thirtieth, and at halftime, it's thirty-one twenty-four. Eagles playing pretty good defense. Couldn't have shot the ball any worse. Um, just offensively, they just have they have not gelled. Um, they've just been cold from the outside. Ladavia Strain, um, who was extremely hot, continues. Uh, he can't find a stroke. 
and uh, they, they need to play a little harder underneath. You, you, you play LaTeX, and then you, you get them on the road, you lose Saturday, and now you got two more games on the road this week, UTEP and UTSA on Thursday and Saturday. Um, they, they're going to need one of those uh, for, for, for sure because it, it, it's tough right now. They're, they're coached up well on defense. They really are. They play sound defense. They just have not been able to gel and click offensively, and until they shoot the ball better, um, it could be a long stretch here in the conference play. I, I do not think they're going to finish dead last as they were projected to, but unless their shooting picks up, it's going to be more towards the bottom. Hey, Luke, say it again for the folks in the back. One month and eight days until uh, baseball opens at Pete Taylor Park. We talked to Scott Berry today, and that new surface is uh, being put down. He is just so excited about it. Valentine's Day, you get Murray State coming in, and uh, the guys will report here in about nine days. And, and uh, there's it's going to be a young version of the Golden Eagles this year, but it should be an exciting brand of baseball like we know is in Pete Taylor Park. Thanks, Luke. All right, guys. Have a great day. Luke Johnson from the Eagle Hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, with you streaming online at supertalk.fm. More when we come back. Yeah, these pop up. Hashtag everybody responds come up every now and then. Hey, Dad, they've got the whole hashtag ruin a movie with one word thing trending right now. Sure. They make me laugh. Super bad. Share one with us? Breath. Oh, God. Rocket Man died. Um, oh, there were a couple of good ones I saw. Finding Nemo's body. Portrait of a lady on fire patrol. Magic marker Mike. Tax return of the Jedi. Once upon a time in Dollywood. <laughs> Oh, me. Anyway. You didn't think those were very funny, did you? Uh, hey, Dad. They're not great. Saturday Night Dang Fever. <laughs> Pillow Fight good. Club. That one's funny. The Lion King Kong. Eh. Eh. Really these, are, these are cracking me up. I'm glad you said this. Guardians of the Samsung Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the Onion Rings. <laughs> crazy, crazy rich Eskimos. <laughs> it's a wonderful life sentence. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Kidney Stone. <laughs> Y'all would be enthralled by what's on the back of Laffy Taffy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Neither Haydad yeah. nor Rippy laughed at any of those. Oh, well, you and I were hilarious. amused. Yeah, you and I were uh, were amused. Um, what did you say that Bruce Feldman was reporting? Somebody did just uh, a second ago. Bruce Feldman is reporting. He said, "Source: uh, Gene Chizik interviewed with Mississippi State on Saturday. The next morning, Chizik removed himself as a candidate." Right. Bruce has been off in this search. He was tweeting out on Friday that Moorhead's future was up in the air and there was going to be a booster meeting to decide. It was like, what? What did you say? And and now this. I, I don't I don't think Gene Chizik removed himself as a candidate. 
I mean, you can remove yourself as a candidate when you know you're not getting a job. It's like the Cowboys thing, right? I will allow myself to be removed as a candidate. Yeah, the entire tweet source former Auburn head coach Gene Chizik interviewed with Mississippi State for its head coaching vacancy on Saturday. The next morning, Chizik removed himself as a candidate. Wouldn't be surprised if Chizik returns to coaching. Just has to be an ideal fit. So, hey, Dad, what I was thinking about earlier, and I don't know if we've got enough time to really get into this right now, yeah, John Cohen's got an interesting decision to make. In the last hire, he went with an offensive coordinator, a guy who had a reputation as being an offensive guru. And so I was kind of thinking about when you find yourself in the spot of hiring a coach, there are really only about three different routes that you can go. You can go after a proven sitting head coach. Right. But to be perfectly honest, you've got to be an elite job to be able to go get a sitting, proven, successful head coach. Yeah. I mean, there's only one job in America that can legitimately go after Dabo Sweeney. It's Alabama when Nick Saban ultimately steps down. I always say the um, same thing about like like jobs like Ohio State, right? They can call Nick Saban. He'll take their call. Sure. They, they can call Dabo. He'll take the call. He'll listen. But, but, but even a at a place like Ohio State, they can't just go get whoever they want. Right. Could Ohio State go get Matt Rule? Yeah, maybe so. Probably. If Oklahoma opened and they wanted to make a run at Matt Rule, they could talk to him. There's no guarantee they'd get him. But they could certainly talk to him. Right. So so that's option number one. Option number two is you go the route of a sitting head coach at a smaller school or a coordinator. Yeah. But generally you go and you pick somebody who has been wildly successful at something. They're an offensive guru. They've revolutionized the way the game is played offensively. Or they have the reputation as being one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Or they've coached under Nick Saban. And so that, you know, makes you but, but there's a there's a shtick of some sort. Or right. maybe a shtick's not the right word, but there's a, a hook, hook. Yeah. of some sort. And then the third option is you're going to go hire somebody that doesn't have any of those things, but you're hiring somebody that falls more into a CEO leader of a program category. And you're assuming that that person is going to be able to put together a staff that will check all of the boxes necessary for you to be successful as a program. I knew we weren't going to have enough time to get all the way through this. we got winners and losers coming up. But I want to circle back to this, and let's kind of take a look at where John Cohen is in terms of options. If if you can't go get a sitting super successful head coach right now, with those other two scenarios, what's best for Mississippi State? We'll do that next. Four o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, Monday afternoon, January the 6th. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. There's something that's still relatively new at Ceasefire, and for a limited time, you can save some money. But we're not talking about a phone. You've already got a phone, probably. 
And if you already have a phone from C Spire, this offer is especially for you. Experience healthcare on call with the C Spire Health app. Start by going to the App Store or Google Play and downloading the C Spire Health app. And then the next time you get a cold or you think you might have the flu or a little bit of a sinus infection or a headache that you can't kick or something that's not terribly serious but you need to go to the doctor's office for it or at least you think you need to go to the doctor's office, well, skip the waiting room and get treated by a clinician from UMMC from your phone from anywhere in Mississippi. Normally, one of these telehealth visits, C Spire Health visits, would cost you $59. But C Spire wants you to try this. They want you to check it out. And so for a limited time, for just $29, which is probably less than your current copay with your insurance provider, if you have insurance, just $29. If you are a C Spire customer, you can visit with a UMMC clinician. Not only can they talk to you about what your issues are, if needed, they can send a prescription to your pharmacy, or you just go and pick it up. Avoid the waiting room. Avoid the doctor's office. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. All right, hey, Dan, let's circle back to where we were just before the break. I, I, I kind of said three categories when you're hiring a head coach. You can go get a sitting head coach. It's proven and is wildly successful. It's really, really hard to do that. It's really hard to do that even for elite blue blood programs. Look, most recently... At Ohio State, hiring from within, they hired Ryan Day. What did Oklahoma do a couple of years ago? They hired Lincoln Riley, already on staff. So you've got big, super-duper blue-blood programs saying, we're not going anywhere, we believe we've got guys. These are special jobs, and we think we've got special people. So it's hard to go get a sitting head coach that's really successful and get him to come. The next option is to go hire either a coach that is at a lower level of Division One, maybe at a smaller conference that's been really successful, or one AA coach, FCS coach, if you want to do that, or get a recruit, a, a coordinator, offensive coordinator that's a guru, defensive coordinator that's considered to be elite. And then the third option is you, you go, I hate the phrase outside the box, but a little bit of outside the normal thinking and you go hire somebody that you think is a great leader for the program overall. Maybe they're not a hotshot coordinator or a sitting Power 5 or Group of 5 head coach or an FCS head coach that's won national championships. But there's somebody that you believe in because you think they'll be able to put together a good staff and you've decided it's time to get more of a CEO type for the program. So as John Cohen evaluates those options... I think we can all look and say, okay, the sitting Power 5 head coach where you're going to have to go pay him five, six, seven million million a year to get him to come to your place, that's not going to happen. So scratch that one off. Right. So given the other two scenarios, what do you think John Cohen is evaluating? All I can think, Richard, right this second is that last description you gave with Sylvester Croom. Oh, why, why would you do that to me? Um, I think he is – I think he's leaning more towards the the CEO – the leader of men type, um, okay. Because when you look at the names on some of the names on this list, now you know he's looked at a couple of uh, of group of five head coaches. Obviously, Billy Napier, Troy Calhoun seems to have gotten an interview. Jeff Monken seems to have gotten an interview. But Calhoun and Monken being at service academies, I tend to think I would almost put those men. guys in the third category as opposed to the second. Yeah, well, especially since 
when you think about the offense they currently run, unlikely that's the offense they would run if they were to be hired at Mississippi State. So they would have to go out and get that good staff and, and get a, a top-notch offensive coordinator. So, I mean, you combine those two names with, with Joe Judge, with Gene Chizik, who we know is interviewed, um, Another guy who I think would probably lean more towards trying to put together a top-notch staff and sort of run things from that CEO perspective. It seems like that's the way he's going. The only, you know, obviously Napier is a uh, is a current head coach of a Group of Five team, so he would fit in mm-hmm. that second category. The only other guy who who's we know is interviewed uh, is Steve Sarkeesian, who would fit into that second category. Who would be very interesting, just because the idea of Sarkeesian versus Kiffin in the Egg Bowl would be. <laughs> Fantastic drama for us here on this radio program. Uh, I, I thought about Sark. You and I talked about him a little bit on Friday night, and I think that was before yeah. really his name was floating around out yeah. there very much. His reputation in coaching, uh, well, okay, his reputation, obviously people are going to go, well, there's some baggage there. He has had alcohol issues along the way. He's been very open about that, and by all accounts has been able to kind of get that under control. But he has been a Power 5 head coach at a really high level, mm-hmm. two Pac-12 jobs, and has the reputation for being an exceptional offensive play caller. You know, people talk all about what Lane Kiffin did when he was at Alabama. Look at that Alabama offense this year. Now, he had some pretty good tools in the toolbox. But he is basically, as it's been described to me, the offensive head coach at Alabama. And Nick Saban has kind of allowed him to do the offense and has stayed out of the way. I'm intrigued by Sarkeesian. I think he would be an interesting choice, you know. I think he was he 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 took over at Washington after Ty Willingham, so that program was as down as it's ever been historically. And mm-hmm. he built it back up and got him, you know, got the foundation going that Chris Peterson was able to build upon. And then uh at USC his personal demons just got in the way of him, you know. And if yeah. he's gotten those under control, obviously, I mean, he's obviously a good coach. You know, he's 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 been at top programs, been in the NFL, and understands offense in this day and age of college football. I think he'd be a, a good hire. I had somebody say to me that there was maybe a little bit of concern with regard to fit in both directions on this, that John Cohen or Mississippi State might look at it and go, but because John Cohen talked about fit, right, in, in his press yeah. conference on Thursday – and maybe there would be some concern from Mississippi State with regard to fit, but maybe that Steve Sarkeesian would look at it as well and go, I'm not 100% sure that I fit there. Right. And I, I get both sides of that, to be totally honest with you. You know, a guy who's been spent most of his coaching career out there on the West Coast uh, would, would start will be a, a great fit for him. I get that. Uh, but at the same time. I mean, I don't know that Starkville's that drastically different than Tuscaloosa. True, true. It's it's not. I mean, it's a Tuscaloosa is a bigger town with more bars and restaurants. Um, I would say that the, the the fit is more likely to be the problem for Sarkeesian than I think it would be for Cohen because I think Cohen at the end of the day is willing if he if he feels like he's got a coach who can win and can fix the uh, the disciplinary issues that are on this team, then that's that's what the fit is. The fit is finding a winner who can you know. Crack down on the problems you're having right now. That's the fit. You didn't have that with Joe Moorhead, I don't think. So, but I think Sarkeesian would would look at and, and honestly with what Sarkeesian likes to do offensively, he would look at that MSU roster and go, "Where are the receivers?" And he might not be as willing to uh to show up. Yeah. So, 
we get back to Joe Judge, which is a name that a lot of people have talked about. You know, they're, they're folks that say, oh, this is you know, leading candidate at this point. I, I don't know if I've seen anybody tweet that it's a done deal yet, but I haven't seen my, my – there's a phrase that's triggering me these days. I don't like yeah. to use the word triggered because I feel like that's sort of, you know, not my brand, but he gone, I can't take that anymore. It's going back to the before the Egg Bowl where Moorhead, he gone, I was losing it, seeing that over and over again. So that, that's, that's, yeah. that's my phrase right now. Mm. Um, I've been intrigued since I very since I first heard the idea of a potential service academy head coach. Because really, right now, all three service academies, well, the the three that we think of primarily, Army, Navy, Air Force are better than they've been collectively at the same time in a really long time. Really long time. But it's such a different brand of football. And I don't just mean in the style offense they run. I mean, Army is probably the most conservative of the three in terms of play calling. Air Force has kind of brought some more spread principles to their option game under Troy Calhoun. Calhoun was in the then, NFL. I mean, he, he's not married to the spread option. Yeah. And then you've got Ken Niamatololo at Navy, who's obviously not even a candidate right now. And they've done some different things. Obviously, it is a running base offense, but they tend to throw it a little bit more than Army does. But you're also dealing with a different type of recruit, a different type of player, a different type of athlete. Maybe if you're a leader, you're a leader. Period. I don't know. I've just been fascinated with the idea of one of the Service Academy guys getting a shot in the SEC. Let's go to winners and losers when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. If you want to jump into the conversation, big news out of Tuscaloosa today as Tua Tonga-Vailoa announces that he is leaving to go be part of the NFL and is making himself available for the draft. We'll get into that story a little bit later this afternoon. There's a lot of hope from a lot of people. Oh, he's having a press conference and Nick Saban's going to be there. Must mean he's coming back. Why would you have a press conference to announce you're going back? Dak did it. I guess once upon a time, Peyton Manning did as well, didn't he? Yeah. I'll I'll be honest with you. I I thought if you're having a press conference, you're coming back. Like, if you're just leaving, just put out the Instagram picture and call it a day. Yeah. Hey, we're in your star. uh, There is a, uh, a tweet with a picture. I'm sure it's on Instagram as well. Oh, yeah. When you're a star, though, the size of uh, Tua Tonga Bailoa, you just have a press conference period because you know so many people want to talk to you. Hey, Borky, how about some winners and losers? We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner. And will not tolerate a loser. 
winners and losers. I'll let you decide which category this one should fall in to start things off, to start the discussion. About 9.30 or 10 o'clock last night, six hours earlier in Hawaii, they were finishing up the Century Tournament of Champions, Kapalua, recently redone plantation course, three-person playoff with Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley and Patrick Reed. Shoffley was the first one out. JT and Patrick Reed, a couple of other holes. Patrick Reed has a putt to probably tie it. As Justin Thomas had a short putt that was likely going to send it to a fourth playoff hole, which would have actually sent the playoff into today. And just after Patrick Reed makes contact with the golf ball for his birdie putt, as clear as can be, huge voice you hear, Cheater! So is that guy a winner or a loser? Um, but winner. Yeah, I mean, he didn't miss the putt. Technically, Reed lost. The guy that yells Cheater at Patrick Reed breaks decorum at a golf tournament. But people cannot stand Patrick Reed. Is there really that kind of decorum at a golf tournament? People yell mashed potatoes anytime someone makes contact with the ball now. Baba yeah. Booey and whatnot. And those yeah. guys are all losers, though. But I see guy. you struggling with this one, Borky. Yeah, I am. A little bit. Um, the enemy of your enemy is your friend, Borky. Hey, golf is just different. And maybe it's a good thing that there's a villain in the sport of golf now that people will tune in to hate. Uh, because... Villains are good for sports. But golf is different. I don't know how I feel. Maybe you should just kind of shut up and act like people are supposed to at a golf tournament. I don't know. Or uh, just sit back and let Patrick Reed cheat when nobody's watching. Although in professional golf, it seems like these days everybody's watching. Yeah, or somebody's I mean, watching all the time. It'd be different if he was like actively calling out a violation and not just being a jerk that had one too many. But you bring it on yourself. It's conflicting. I mean, and, but here's the here's the crazy part of that. That's one of the smallest crowds you'll have on tour all year long, and it's generally a chill crowd out in Maui. How about when he gets to the U.S. Open? Or, or the, he gets to the waste management and he's on the tee at 16 on Friday afternoon after 35,000 people have been slamming White Claws all day. I mean, you remember when Bubba Watson went through and his hatred on tour is far less than Patrick Reed before this most recent cheating thing. And people were screaming, Bubba, you gonna cry after he was walking off the green. It's going to be <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Deshaun Watson. Our, our good mm. friend John Harris could be a, a winner as well in this one. Uh, I mean, it looked like that game was, was salted away, and uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson uh, found a way back, sort of aided by some of the most mystical quarterback play you'll ever see from, from Josh Allen. He's he's exciting. Uh, but Deshaun Watson, like the guy's a winner. He was a grown I mean, man at the end of that game. He was. Deshaun Watson is just Deshaun Watson is a winner. Like that's what he is. That's what he's defined by. If you say Deshaun Watson, I say winner. Rippy, give me a winner. 
America. That was the last Monday night football broadcast of the season. But I'll probably <laughs> go to the Titans because that was pretty sweet. Derrick Henry mainly. He's unstoppable. He's the best back in the NFL, hands down. Borky, winner. Uh, DK Metcalf, real rags to riches story coming from uh, coming up in high school, not even being a top ten prospect in the state of Mississippi. To uh, <laughs> oh. Oh. I was like, "Where are you going?" <laughs> I had to think. Don't make me to add think, on to Borky's Borky. thing. That is a pretty cool. Like he, that was a cool DK Metcalf FaceTime moment where he just walks off the game with a catch, and then you have Collinsworth gloat about it for the next ninety seconds while Metcalf's dapping up everybody on the sideline. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, it's amazing um, when you just let a guy that size with that speed just run straight downfield and be bigger and stronger than people. It's amazing what there have been. There have been cones on the field. The Eagles would have won. <laughs> that is true. I wonder next, if it's next I year. If I'm a D coordinator, theory. I'm getting some cones. I have this conspiracy theory. He spent too much time there with his shirt off, and in like a stadium full of alphas, he alphaed everybody. And they're like, actually, we got to knock this kid off his block a little bit. Second round grade. What wasn't it the Seahawks that asked him? Like one of the staff members said that he needed to go into the meeting Pete, with Pete Carroll taking his shirt off. Pete Carroll, I believe, asked him to take his shirt off, in the, or maybe that's what it was. And then Pete ripped his shirt off too. Yeah, when DK walked in without his shirt off, Pete was like, "All right," and took his off too. You got it. I do. I, I do appreciate the take on this. So that he fell to the perfect team. I was like, obviously, I get the first half of that. Because he's playing with Russell Wilson, who wouldn't want to do that? But they're like they use him the right way. It's like how in the, what uh, what other way are you going to use DK Metcalf? He's larger than everyone. Throw him up the ball. <laughs> what other way are you going to use that guy? It is kind of like I'm not comparing him to Calvin Johnson, but the way he goes up, it is kind of Megatron like. You know the the thing that is cool to me is he was not for. This guy never had to run routes, and he was always injured. So he's gone out and he's played in every game. He's worked. There's a there's a video that the Seattle Seahawks have put out on their official Twitter today. That's basically everybody talking about DK Metcalf from yesterday. Teammates, including Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, defensive guys, offensive guys. Tom Luganville in there. Tom Luganville was not in there, <laughs> and they were all talking about his work ethic. They said from the day uh. that he's joined the franchise. It has been nothing but acting and working like a pro, and he's the guy that stays after every practice and on off days is there catching tennis balls, working on his craft. It's pretty cool. Is that surprising, considering who his dad is? I mean, he had to tell him, hey, this is how it's going to be. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that, hey, Dad, that, you know, some guys, I mean, not everybody that goes to the NFL has a dad that played in the NFL. Yeah. But you would think that there were some conversations about what it's like to be a pro, how you become not an NFL player, but a pro player in the NFL. Yeah. And some guys never figure that out. Yeah. I mean, you could make the that. argument that Des Bryant, who's one of the most uniquely talented guys that's been in the NFL in the last decade, decade and a half, never figured out how to be a professional. Antonio Brown. He's just an athletic dude. Antonio Brown, great example. Great example. It's more worried about look at me, look at me, look at me than, you know what, I'm going to force you to look at me because of what I do on the field. But that's how he started. He was, what, fifth, sixth-round pick? That's true. Yeah. 
It's just it changes sometimes with I guess fame because Antonio Brown's like big thing was like his work ethic was just insanity and but now he's kind of just gone off the reservation. Yeah, we didn't yeah. talk about it last week just because there was so much going on. But when he went to work out in New Orleans, they specifically told him, "Come alone. Do not bring an entourage. Come by yourself." He shows up with an entourage and a film crew. And then said the Saints were pulling a publicity set. Yeah. The guy that brings the camera crew is telling the other people that they're the ones in this for the publicity. And I think the Saints said after the fact, look, we're just doing kind of some due diligence. This is what we do. We continue to look at guys to evaluate, to potentially add to our roster. And the best way to do that is to have them work out for us at our place. They were just doing it, and he was a name out there. And he I think ruined he was one it. of four or five guys they brought in. What did you say, Borky? He ruined it? And he ruined it. I, it's it's yeah. unbelievable. We'll get to some losers when we come back. Also, your winners and losers on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. I gave you a bunch of winners. How about some losers from the weekend? I'm going to begin. You guys may want to add to this as Saints fans. But as I was watching the end of that game yesterday, Saints got to stop on third down with about 2.56. It was 2.46. It was about 2.46 left in the ballgame. And they had two timeouts remaining at that point. And so if you're doing kind of the, the game management math, you go two timeouts. That means we've got four clock stoppages in addition to getting out of bounds. So you've got your two timeouts, you've got the two-minute warning, and you have the change of possession. Well, somebody didn't do a very good job with the math because the Saints decided to let the clock run and save their two timeouts. So the clock goes from 2.46 or 2.41, whatever it was, 40-second clock starts. Vikings do a pretty good job not punting it with eight seconds left on the clock. They punt it with... One second, maybe two left on the play clock. Hanging punt, there's a return, and it takes the clock down to 156 or 154. And so the change of possession clock stoppage and the two-minute warning get rolled into one, and the Saints are left with two timeouts. And as a result, had to scramble at the end, couldn't run a couple of extra plays, had to kick a field goal to send it to overtime, where ultimately they lose. Well, How is it possible that it, coaches are so bad managing end-of-game clock situations at a, every level? It was the most egregious yeah. part about it was the twenty letting eating the last yes. time out. He took the last time out into overtime and allowed 10 seconds to run off instead of taking a shot at the end zone. They could have taken the timeout, and they would have had 21 seconds left instead of 11 seconds. Even if you get tackled in bounds, it's enough time to get up and spike it. That's yes. But that, yeah. this could extend yes. to all NFL coaches this weekend. There was horrible clock management in virtually every game. But my question is why? Why is it so bad at every single level of football? It's not that difficult. Got a lot going on. I don't know. If I knew the answer to that, I'd make a lot more money. That, that, but that's it's not true, hey Dad. You and I know the answer to that. We're able to no, sit I, there and I, I, watch you it. No, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, I knew the answer to why coaches aren't good at it, and I could tell them and get them to fix it. I could, I could make money. 
as a consultant. Wait till you see Andy Reid play next weekend. Woo! What other losers? Morky? Um, Takesman. Danny Cannell, basically every Fox Sports radio host at this point, save Cowherd, uh, about Carson Wentz. He is injury-prone and has been, and that's a knock on his career, but getting knocked out of the game yesterday the way he did is not reason for you to pile on his injury history. A 280-pound man hit him with his helmet in the back of the head, and that's why he was out of the game. That is not a sign of him being injury-prone or not tough enough for the NFL or whatever those idiots who probably have CTE themselves said. Um, That's just an unfortunate thing that happened to a guy that would have happened to every single quarterback or player in the league if they were in that position. As I mentioned to Borky this morning, Cannell probably had that arrow and was sharpening it all week. Like, someone could have brought a sledgehammer off the sideline and hit Carson in the ankle with it, and he would have been, huh, not that durable. Hey, Dad, give me a loser. He already took mine. I was going to talk about Saints clock management. Um... Much to uh, Michael, uh, I'm sorry, to Brian Scott Rippey's uh, joy, the loser is is Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. That that I don't, I'm not going to step out on the dynasty is over. I don't know what Tom Brady's next move is going to be, but that franchise is clearly going to look different than it looked on Saturday. It has to. Uh, the, the, you know, somebody made the point on Twitter. I forget he said it, but you know, the days of surrounding Tom Brady with a bunch of plumbers is over. You've got to go out and, and get some talent. You've got to go out and start spending a little bit more money beyond Brady and beyond the defense. You've got to put some guys out there. So, uh, yeah, the, the, I was looking forward to a Brady Breeze Super Bowl. I thought that was what we were going to get. Instead, we're not going to get either one of those guys. Uh, so you know, maybe a winner is the, the new era of quarterback in the NFL. Those guys will have a chance to shine now. Rippy? I don't mean to pile on, but the Saints, just in general, you lost to Kirk Cousins. I mean, that there was no way on earth the Saints should have lost that game yesterday. It shouldn't have exactly been that close. Cousins played pretty well to his credit, and for a guy that takes more internet crap than most people, and kind of the guy that everyone loves to pile on, like, good grief. Oh, it was two costly turnovers. Why do you cut me, Rippy? I've always been loyal. I, I just, like, I, I, look, I, I, I feel robbed of Saints Niners, I guess is why I'm salty about this. And- I wanted a second rematch. Have you guys noticed that the uh, the playoffs AFC side versus NFC side in terms of quarterbacks, it's a battle of quarterbacks that have gotten paid versus quarterbacks that are about to get paid? In terms of salary, there? salary cap hit for the 2019-20 year, Lamar Jackson, $2.2 million. Deshaun Watson, $3.8 million. Pat Mahomes, $4.5 million. Ryan Tannehill, $2.2 million. That's on the AFC side. NFC side cap hit? Garoppolo, 19.9. Russell Wilson, 26.3. Cousins, 29 million. And Rodgers, 29.4 million. On the flip side of this, though, if you're the Saints and that onside kick in that Super Bowl doesn't go your way, doesn't this become an impossible career for Drew Brees to quantify? I mean, he's now yeah. like 8-8 eight and eight in the playoffs. Like, this would be one, if I were a Saints fan, this would make me mad instead of, like, sad. Like, I mean, well, and, and then you add to it that once again we're gonna. And I'm not gonna harp on it because I feel like the Saints gave the game away. But the last play of the game is pretty obvious offensive pass interference. You change the rule to have a look at that. Nope, we're not even gonna have a look at it. It's just a final. They need so to kill the last that rule three years. Season. The last three years, the, the the way I mean, they've lost basically. They've gotten walked off three years in a row almost. Yeah. 
But so, it's like when you – I was listening to Bill Simmons talk about it earlier. And it's like if you once you win a Super Bowl, you get this immunity pass. But is there any part of, like, Saints people that after this run ends, whenever it doesn't end, it's going to be like, that was it? Well, Peyton deserves – I think, Sean, the entire criticism – and Drew Brees throwing in a double coverage, uh, doing two-minute drill at the end of the first half. That interception was inexcusable. Inexcusable. Awful, and, awful, awful. And then you got to protect the football better on the fumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just – you need a field goal there. You don't have to make a crazy play. I mean, so – but that happens sometimes. The third down play calling was a mystery, and the clock management was a mystery. I mean, that that is, uh, for as good as he is and for as good of a season as they had offensively, it's almost kind of becoming his brand, isn't it? Because that that's coaching yesterday. Especially third down play calling was coaching yesterday. Some of your winners and losers on the C Spire text line, David in Socher says, Loser, the Superdome. It's going to be imploded after the Super Bowl championship Saints lost, followed by LSU's defeat in the same building. There will be days of mourning in Louisiana. So he's predicting Clemson to win it all and says it's the Superdome's fault. Some guy. George in West Point going political. He says, Loser, the Iranian general, General Soleimani, that got taken out by Trump and the winner is Trump. Well, that's a complicated story. Tune in, Jeff, to Paul on Gallo my winners list. Say what? Tune in to Paul Gallo at six a.m. more coverage. George had that. a pretty good one for that. Said, "What about the Pope slapping that woman?" <laughs> Winner <Woo>. or loser? <laughs> Keep your hands off the Holy Father. That's what I was. He saying. was salty. <laughs> winners list has to be the Vikings defense, also known as the Purple People Eaters. How is Sean Payton any different from Mike McCarthy with the Packers? Nine trips to the playoffs in 14 years, the one Super Bowl for McCarthy with the Packers? That's not completely fair. He's a little more innovative, and those offenses have been much better. Like Some people like to say McCarthy ruined Rodgers' prime. Not the same situation, but... but... And McCarthy tailed off. I mean, the Saints did yeah. go 13-3. and three. Yeah, the, the, the Saints... And and the window it's 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 closing, but it's still there for another year. They they can get back next year. Here's one that says loser Brady pick six to end a career. Nice career's not over. Um, winner DK saying yes, ma'am to the interviewer was priceless in the post game. God bless Mississippi. <laughs> Somebody says Breeze may be like Jim Kelly in history's eyes. Not even close. No, he's got a Super Bowl. Yeah, you got one. He's got one. And every meaningful passing. I mean, never mind. Yeah, no, not close. Drew Brees would definitely be the victim of uh, some takes been about the clutch gene, and give it what ten years. True, but I mean, yeah, when Patrick Mahomes is retiring or something. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it'll be. I mean, it's not his fault that. Marcus Williams makes the the worst tackle, tries to make the worst tackle of all time. It's not really his fault that the uh, refs can't call the blatant pass interference. Now, yesterday you can put that on him. That was a bad one, but you know, for the most part, it hasn't been his fault that the Saints have lost. Here's the: you've never played the game, so you don't really get to say this. The missed field goal in the first half and the Breeze fumble lost the game. Not coaching, which none of you have ever done. Peyton and Breeze won eight more playoff games than most. Hey, buddy, have you ever hosted a sports talk radio show? Don't you tell us what we can and can't do. (laughs) It's the worst argument ever. (laughs) 
Come on now. If you can't look at the way Sean Payton managed the clock Better at the end of that game. Better not catch this guy complaining about his steak at the restaurant if he's never been a chef. Uh, well, that and Payton himself said he called a bad game. So, Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming <laughs> up with you after this quick timeout. Tennessee Titans did not exactly vary from their game plan going into Saturday night's game in New England. They thought, and the thought by most going in was, lean on Derrick Henry, play good defense, and give yourself a chance. And that's exactly what the Titans did. Tennessee led 7-3 after the first quarter. They were up 14-13 at halftime. The only points in the second half were a pick six late in the ball game. And the Titans win it 20-13. to Lots of hot takes about it being the end of the era, the end of a dynasty, Tom Brady coming to an end, will Bill Belichick hang it up, etc., etc., etc. Let's set all that aside for a second and just look at what the Titans did. They didn't throw it much, only 16 throws in the game. Ryan Tannehill ate a 15 for 72 yards with a touchdown and a pick. He was sacked one time. Marcus Mariota had one completion for four yards. Tom Brady went 20 of 37 for 209 with no touchdowns and an interception. Not very Tom Brady-like numbers. But the story in the game was Derrick Henry. 34 carries for 182 yards and a touchdown. Where does he rank in terms of best backs in the NFL right now? We're having that conversation this morning. Is there a running back that you would take ahead of him right now? I think I can unbiasedly say no. And there are different guys with different skill sets, obviously, but just right. if you had to take a running What's the back. play? If it's third and one, no. I have to give the ball to Derrick Henry. If it's first and ten, I might look at Kamara. I don't know. On third and one, I might give it to Taysom Hill. <laughs> Which is a guy who, by the way, should have been in the winner's section of winners and losers today. Yeah, he's 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 something. Henry's just so large. I mean, he's 6'3", 250. You can't tackle him. But this is cliche when you talk about a running back, but he really is kind of like just tossing a bowling ball down the hill. I mean, he gets yeah. five yards into the defensive backfield. It's going to take a couple guys to bring it out. And then if he gets into the second or third level, it's kind of over because he's fast too. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Now, if you look at his last mm, 25 games, it's, it's, a, it's just kind of absurd the numbers he's put up. Aside from the Titans winning this game, what other takeaways did you have? I think Borky said it a second ago. The the Titan or excuse me, the Patriots can no longer just have Tom Brady and a bunch of backup plumbers that they are throwing balls to. If you're looking at for a local flavor, it was kind of like a like silent respect type of deal for AJ Brown. The Patriots always take away one thing and say you're not beating us with that. And he did you even hear his name called? He had one catch for four yards. And it seemed to be a centralized focus. Yeah, especially YAC. I saw one of the stat nerds that said that the, the Titans are best in the NFL or like number two in the NFL in yards after the catch, and that was the Patriots' point of emphasis, which allowed Derrick Henry to go off the way he did. Despite just sedating on social media and over and over again that the dynasty ends tonight, I don't actually think this is over. It's just kind of fun to say. But they got to yeah. get this. They got to. I mean, they still won the division and won twelve, whatever, thirteen, whatever. Twelve and four. Yeah, like they've got to get him some things to throw to. I don't know how they didn't think not addressing the 
losing the greatest tight end ever as a deep threat. Like just thought like Edelman and all the ripple effects would be the same was a good strategy. But it wasn't, so they've they've got to get him some guys to throw to. Where do they get that help, though? I mean, see that I think that's not so much the dynasty's over because the Patriots are going to start sucking. It's just where can they acquire talent fast enough to accommodate their obviously aging forty three year old quarterback who does not elevate a roster anymore. I mean, you, you well to me the two questions about the quarterback are one. Is Tom Brady going to play again? And two, if he plays again, is he going to play in New England? He's not retiring. Do you think he'll be the quarterback for the Patriots next year? Yes. I do, too. I think he's posturing to try to put pressure on Kraft and Belichick to kind of bring him back. Uh, if I will say if there's one there's one team that makes way more sense than all the others if he doesn't come back with them. Chicago? No, San Diego. Uh, excuse me. Los Angeles Chargers. Team good defense. Good offensive weapons, ready to win now, and they have to put butts in seats because no one knows they exist in Los Angeles. It makes more sense than any other team, in my opinion. I also saw somebody suggest Oakland also moving to a new city, new stadium, needs some kind of buzz. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Do you give the Titans a puncher's chance against Baltimore next week? Yes. Yeah. Crazy. I saw the. Nine and a half? I think that's too many. I don't think they're going to win the game. I'll be realistic here, but they're good. Their defense is good this time of year. They're going to run the football. Hey, real quick, I got a good quote here on Derrick Henry. He's going to be more of a fit in another position. We just don't feel he's a natural running back. So, said about him out of high school. Who said it? Tom Luganville. You got it. Are you serious? Yes. Lugs! (laughs) Yikes. Oof. <sighs> Upon further review. <laughs> two Your hours boy. in the books. Five o'clock hour coming up. That means the college football fix just around the corner on Sports Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock with you on this Monday afternoon. I said at the top of the show, it feels like a Monday. And I mean that in a good way. It's like we're all finally back into a routine. One night from, or one week from tonight, we will crown a national champion in New Orleans. Cheapest ticket to get in the door for LSU Clemson as we sit here a week out. About 950 bucks. And that is not to sit on the 50 yard line on the eighth row. That is uh, kind of up in the upper reaches of the Superdome, if you are so inclined. You want to sit 50-yard line down low? Cost you about 4500 bucks a ticket, and that's if you find a deal. Air quotes there, a deal to sit on the 50 at about the eighth row for $4,500. Pretty tough ticket. Hopefully it will be a pretty good game. Sports Talk Mississippi, online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Let's go to the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Great savings right now at your local Mississippi Ford dealers on Ford SUVs, which are made a little bit different. They're made for sport and utility. Drive Ford's SUVs like an SUV is meant to be driven. Drive it like a Ford. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. 
Um, I guess the biggest news of the day in the college football world as we await the national championship was the announcement from Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Said yesterday that uh, Nick Saban would be, be there for the press conference, and Tua announced today that he is headed to the National Football League. Given the quarterbacks that are going to be available in the draft, Joe Burrow, Tua, Jacob Eason, Shea Patterson. <laughs> He's going to be available in the draft. Why did you laugh? So will I. That's a good point. Have you signed your papers, declared already? My agent's taking care of that. Anyway, coming back from a fractured hip, has had ankle injuries. Where does Tua land in the NFL? Still kind of feels like he doesn't get past Miami at five, right? Yeah. Because the they've spot. they've got the guy in place that can be the holdover. And he's a perfect holdover in Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you don't have to rush him back after that hip injury. He can learn from, even though he's a journeyman, I mean, sitting behind Fitzpatrick and learning from him is probably a pretty good thing. And he can get healthy and then take over. I just it, Miami tanked. Even though they won five games, they still tried not to. And if you can still get the guy you were probably tanking for all along, injury or not, why would you pass up on that opportunity? And him leaving is kind of simple, right? Like, what else do you need to see from him on film? Because if he comes back for another year, wouldn't it end up being like, uh, was it Leinart or Palmer that didn't come out? Leinart, right? Leinart. He came back? Yeah, yeah. A couple other guys to where it's just like, then now you're just nitpicking flaws as opposed to being like, oh, he does this well. Until you've seen enough. And then, two, you've got potentially Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, whoever else next year. Seems like a much stronger field of quarterbacks. So he's going to make a ton of money. Good for him. Tua leaves Alabama as the career record holder for passing touchdowns, 87 of them. Touchdowns responsible for 96 of those. And 300-yard passing games. 10 300-yard passing games. I actually thought that number would be a little bit bigger. It would be a bigger number if Tua had played full games, especially yeah. last year. I mean, you remember last year you were getting to the fourth quarter and he was sitting every week. I would love to see some analytics on, you know, actual number of quarters played and then extrapolate it out to a full game because those numbers would probably be, you know, be even more ridiculous. Right, because if he plays all four quarters of every game last season, he wins the Heisman over Kyler Murray, don't you think? Probably, because he, he his numbers would have just been out of control. He, in his first year as a starter... Last year, set the FBS single season efficiency record where he hit 69% of his thro- of his 355 passes for 3,966 yards with 43 touchdowns and only six interceptions. He was better this year, connecting on 71.5% of his 252 passes, 2,840 yards, 33 touchdowns, and just three interceptions. And as a footnote to his college career came to an end in the state of Mississippi after he had his hip broken on the sack in Starkville against Mississippi State on November 16th. Hmm. Nick Saban said in the press conference today that Tua Tagovailoa is one of the most impactful players in Alabama's football history, which I guess you would agree with. I would. A 41-yard touchdown pass that will live in Alabama lore forever. 
where he hit then-freshman Devontae Smith for the overtime win over Georgia after Alabama trailed in that game 13 to nothing and ended up winning it 26-23 to win the national championship. In, you know, it's been kind of a mix of guys coming back and guys not coming back for Alabama. Devontae Smith announced that he was coming back. Jerry Judy's going to the NFL. Alex Leatherwood, the left tackle, announced that he was coming back. They had another offensive lineman say they were going. I'd say all in all, you know, for Alabama, you're pretty pleased with what you've got coming back. I mean, you'd be thrilled to have Tua. Will it be Mac Jones playing quarterback next year for Alabama? Or will the Crimson Tide dabble in the transfer market and potentially bring in a grad transfer or a transfer starter? Or will it be the five-star kid from California that they've got committed that's going to come in to step in and be the starting quarterback for the Crimson Tide? Who would be in that transfer market? I don't know. Yeah, it's a little too early to tell. Felipe Franks is out there. Um, Jacob Bentley. I mean, would you out take there. Felipe? Hold on, would you take Felipe Franks over Mac Jones? I think Jones's yeah. audition was pretty good, one wasn't it? Yeah, Mac, Mac Jones just, over just, Felipe Franks. Does this go back to more traditional Alabama teams where you are built off running and defense, and you just need the guy to make enough smart decisions and throws per game, and then you just bludgeon people with defense? I mean, look at Jones's numbers against a really good Auburn defense, though. Yeah. They didn't lose the game because of him. They're, well, they're, I guess they did because he threw two pick changing. sixes. But oh uh, yeah, I mean, there's too much there. There's an I mean, but I mean, there's an AJ McCarron to every Blake Sims. Like yeah, he could be a good one of those. But he wouldn't be too obviously. He's also going to be throwing to a pair of ridiculous receivers still at least in Waddle and Smith. Yeah, and and we don't know who the other two five star guys they have them, but they have them. Well, there, and you've also got Talia Tonga-Vailoa, the younger brother, and a couple of people yeah. have pointed out, King Biscuit, you did. i got a buddy of mine that texted me as well. He said you didn't even mention Tua's younger brother, Talia. Does anyone actually know what little Tua is as a prospect? Like, is he good? He's a four-star kid. I mean, he's not as good as his brother, but he's good. Yeah. If, if he was smaller? as good as his brother, he would have stepped onto the field this year instead of Mac Jones stepping onto yeah, the field. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know what his number. He played a handful of games this year. Um, he didn't redshirt, remember? Because he played in the uh, the MSU game. No, oh, did he, he not redshirt? I don't think you're. He was nine of ta- twelve for a hundred yards this year, and they were talking about that about how he was going to be the backup against whoever Alabama played between before the Iron Bowl, the the FCS team they played. Western Carolina, but he did so, not play in any other game. That was only his third game of the season. Okay, then there you go. Played against Arkansas, though. And Bryce Young is the quarterback that is coming in that is so highly thought of for Alabama. So we'll see. You'll have Mac Jones as a redshirt junior. I mean, technically, we could be rolling into the next two years with Mac Jones as a starter. And he could put up really big numbers. We'll see. Talia Tonga-Vailoa, four-star member of their 2019 recruiting class, played in five games this year as a freshman. Threw for 100 yards and a touchdown. Tua, apparently in his press conference earlier today, indicated that Talia would not transfer away from the program. 
so he'll make a run at it. And Bryce Young is the incoming freshman, five-star out of Santa Ana, California. Played at, uh, is it Matter Day? Did I say that right? Matter Day? Whatever. Everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah, school school in California has produced a ton of players. Top quarterback prospect in the class. Nationally, he is ranked sixth as the sixth overall player in the country. The number one dual threat quarterback. It's not huge, though. 5'11", 183 coming out of California. Barton Simmons, who's the director of scouting at 24-7 Sports, says that I think Bryce Young is a kid that is capable of coming in as a true freshman, early enrollee at Alabama, and winning the starting job. If Bryce Young comes into that quarterback room with Talia and Mac Jones, I just think he's better than those guys. So we'll see. That will certainly be a storyline that Nick Saban will be so excited about answering questions about in the offseason. Sports Talk Mississippi, that's your college football fix. Most everybody got SEC play started on Saturday. You had three teams playing American Athletic Conference teams as Ole Miss and Georgia and Vanderbilt and South Carolina are not part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. South Carolina had actually played Houston for their American team earlier in the year, and uh, they did not play at all on Saturday. That is based off your record in conference two years prior. That is correct. Correct. Just clarifying. And that holds for a two-year window, and then it gets reshuffled, assuming the deal continues. So Ole Miss won't be in it next year either. That is correct. Interesting. So their record last year won't count as two years ago, two years from, or a year from now? That is correct, because Mississippi State was in the same boat. Right, hey, Ed, last year, despite finishing yeah. better in the league, they were on the outside looking in last year. Correct. Correct. And they're back in this year. Yeah. Um. So let's talk basketball for a second. Uh, Ole Miss played the first one. They tipped off half an hour before uh, Mississippi State did. Rebels went to Wichita State, Charles Koch Arena in Wichita, Kansas. Packed house, and Ole Miss was not very good. They were down 15 at the half, 39-24. Outscored 35-30 in the second half of that game. Rebels fell to 9-4. Wichita State, who at the time was number 24, Improved to 13-1. and one. Wichita State is currently number 9 in the net rankings. I think they were 10 going into that game. Ole Miss fell into the mid-60s. Two players in double figures. Devontae Shuler had 12 points on 4 of 12 shooting. Hadeem C. had 12 points on 4 of 8 shooting. And that was it. Brian Tyree had 9 points. Blake Henson had 7. None in the first half. And Bryce Williams did not make the trip dealing with Flu-like symptoms, I think. Groin injury. Groin injury. Uh, probably would Same rather difference. be dealing with. What's the difference you said? Lower Same body, actually. Sorry, there I you go. Too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, thirteen games, not a good offensive team, and this game in particular, Buffin reoccurring issue gets in foul trouble. Tyree gets in foul trouble. Both sitting with two fouls less than eight minutes in, and you're asking, you know, a lineup that consisted of a lot of dude column. Franco Miller, Sammy Hunter, you know, some C to, you know, score for an already offensively challenged team. Not a rescue. Against a good team. Yeah, no, they, this is a good team. That's the thing, the weird thing about Ole Miss is like, 
even they've they've won ugly at times against bad teams. They've blown bad teams out, bad to average, I'd say. Like they're nine and four with one pretty good win that's going to hold some teeth. Penn State, and then losses to four NCAA tournament teams: Oklahoma State. Um, I think Memphis, but Memphis seems like they're kind of kind of coming apart at the seams a little bit. And then, of course, Butler and Wichita State probably undoubtedly going to be in. It's just the way they've looked in every one of those games. Penn State kind of included for 25, six minutes, really, just kind of the last 14, 12. So, yeah. you know, they've, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they evolve in the half court offense over the first couple games of SEC play because you kind of ease into it with a really bad A&M team. But after that, it's, it gets pretty stiff and they're going to have to do something different because they're just not scoring enough points and they're not good enough defensively to overcome it. Kermit Davis, very honest after the game was over, says we're not tough enough right now. So we got guys dealing with the flu. Nobody cares if you got the flu. Only person that cares about whether or not you got the flu is my mother. And she's going to ask how you're doing, hope you feel better, and then move on about her business. So we got to recruit tougher guys and we got to be tougher as a team. No punches pulled there. Said we're going to go back to work and figure out how to get better. So we'll see if Ole Miss does get better as the uh, season goes along. Mississippi State and Auburn. Hey, Dad, you were there on Saturday. By the way, Eric Stevenson had 29 for Wichita State to leave them, lead them. Despite missing every three-point shot they took in the first half, Auburn had a five-point lead at the break over Mississippi State, 29-24. And then they were really good. They did not miss all that many threes in the second half of the ballgame. I guess, well, I say they didn't miss. They hit four second-half threes. Hey, Dad, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. But Mrs. Ben Howland has got to do something to get his players to value the basketball and stop. I don't mean stop turning it over. I mean stop giving it away. Yeah. Like, well, here I mean, you go, take it. Yeah. I mean, Nick Weatherspoon had four turnovers, I think, before the first timeout, before the first media timeout, and then he only Ooh. had two the rest of the way. Uh, 14 turnovers total for Mississippi State. What what happened with State is, is very simple. They shot the ball incredibly poorly, especially from the backcourt. Nick Weatherspoon has uh, 18 points, but it's on 6 of 18 shooting. And he was also 6 of 7 from the line. Tyson Carter had one of his worst days, 1 of 11 from the uh, the field. Uh, so, you know, you had a great day from your front court. You got a double-double from Perry. You got a double-double mm-hmm. from Woodard. You almost got a double-double from Adu without the points. He had 11 rebounds and 9 block shots. Um, but then he also had six points. So, I mean, the front court played really, really well, but they got nothing out of their backcourt. They shoot 33.8% for the game. If they shoot 37%, which is not great, they probably win. So they, they picked the wrong time to have their worst shooting game of the season. They also got nothing from the bench, only a, a total of, a, of seven points. Monster day for Javon McCormick on a day when Auburn was not making a ton of shots either. They were 5 of 22 from behind the arc. Yeah. But McCormick went 9 of 17 from the field, made two threes, and was 8 of 11 from the free throw line. How about this stat line? 28 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. He did turn it over 5 times. Yeah. As as Auburn had 12 team turnovers, Mississippi State had 14 team turnovers. And it looked, you were there, I was not, but it looked on television like there was a good crowd and it was a good atmosphere, especially early. Very much so. Very much so. Good crowd at the hump. A lot of Auburn fans made the trip. Uh, the the top of the uh, the hump, the top uh, level. There were a good number of Auburn fans, but a lot of maroon and white in there. Uh, we'll see what happens with these next two games. If if they if they can do something to draw the home crowd back uh, for another one, it, it feels like it did last year with that Ole Miss game that 
everybody has that, okay, we showed up, what's going to happen? And then you lose, and okay, we're not coming back. Everybody else in the SEC on Saturday. LSU 78-64 over Tennessee. Tennessee's going to have a tough road without Lamonte Turner the rest of the way. He uh, announced prior or after their previous game that he was having shoulder surgery and was done for the year. Uh, Tennessee actually did a nice job na- uh, navigating the uh, the waiver wire. They went out and picked up a, a, a point guard, guy that wasn't eligible in the first half. Uh, true freshman Santiago Vescovi from Uruguay uh, has now played in one game, and he hit five threes in the game at 18 points for uh, Tennessee. So, it, still though, I say it's going to be tough for Tennessee without Lamonte Turner, veteran point guard the rest of the way. Georgia went to Memphis and won 65-62. Rayshon Hammonds had a double-double, 15 points, 12 rebounds. And Georgia's now 10-3. and And they had kind of an ugly couple of games in Maui. Right, they got popped by Michigan State. They got popped by Dayton. And they have a... What was the other loss for Georgia? There's one other. Um, I don't remember. Doesn't really matter. Dayton, Michigan State. Uh, oh, Arizona State. They lost by 20 at Arizona State. But Georgia has now won f- four in a row. And now they got Kentucky coming to their place tomorrow night. Would not be even a little bit surprised to see Georgia win that game tomorrow night. Yeah. Kentucky beat Missouri 71-59. Ashton Hagens gets hurt. Don't know how serious. That's probably the biggest storyline in that game. Kentucky's now 10-3 and playing better. Florida, a game of the day in all of college basketball was in Gainesville. Florida wins 104-98 in double overtime over Alabama. Alabama led that game by 21. They were up by 14 at the half, and Florida came back and got the win. Gators are going to be a team that you don't want to play in February, I think, and March. I think they're going to continue to get better. Arkansas moves to 12-1 and on the year. Packed house, sold out, Bud Walton Arena. 10-point win over Texas A&M. And in overtime, that was a game I was doing on Saturday night in Nashville. SMU and Vanderbilt. SMU's pretty good. They're eleven and two now. Vanderbilt finishes their non-conference slate at eight and five. SMU led by twelve in the first half. Vanderbilt came back and tied it at forty at the break. Vandy led by fifteen in the second half. SMU came back, forced overtime. They got two huge threes in the last minute. And then just boat raced Vandy in the overtime period. Beat him, outscored him 15 to 4 to uh, get the win 92 to 81. Well, it took a few The hours, name that maybe you haven't heard about this question. year? I'm sorry? It took a couple hours, but I, I finally got the answer to that question I asked. Who won that game? Well, oh. I didn't know you asked that question earlier. I'm sorry. When you were making fun of us about the Titans, I was like, yeah, SMU won, won in overtime. Okay, there we go. Fun game. Uh, Aaron Neesmith, by the way, leads the SEC in scoring. He had 29 points, eight threes made in that game. Scotty Pippen Jr. plays for Vanderbilt as well, if you didn't know that. So that's what happened in the uh, SEC. Tell you what's coming up over the next couple of days in terms of league games when we come back, and we'll get back to some football. We'll circle back to the Mississippi State coaching search and talk a little bit more about that with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. 
So you got the Lending Tree Bowl coming up tonight in Mobile with Louisiana Lafayette and Miami of Ohio. Hey, Dad, who are Mississippi State fans pulling for in that game? I don't know a whole ton of them are you know, huge Red Hawk fans. Um, my guess is they're just watching it with interest. I, I think, by and large, I guess they would pull for, for Lafayette or for Louisiana, I should say, uh, on the off chance that Napier is the next coach. It would be good to have him in coming off a win. If they knew the outcome 100% of the coaching search and knew it was not Billy Napier, would they cheer for Miami of Ohio emphatically? I believe so, yes. Don't you love what we do? <laughs> it's it's the best job in the world. Okay, it's not the best job in the world, but it's in the top ten. What would you rather be doing? What are the, what are the nine that are above this? I don't know. That eight year old that raked in Playboy twenty six mil right? on YouTube seems like he's got a pretty sweet gig. Is that yeah, the little toy review kid? Don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That's him. Yes. You wish you could have made twenty six million when you were eight, so as not to work for the remainder of your life. Who says anything about eight? I would be fine with that at twenty five. Yeah, I'll take it right now. Yeah, I'll review some etch sketches or whatever that kid's doing. If you made twenty six million dollars this year, like in twenty twenty, like if I told you on December thirty first of twenty twenty, I will hand you a check for twenty six million dollars. For what you've done for the year, would you work in 2021? I have two no. questions. I would not work in 2021. But am I getting paid between now and then? I gotta like live the whole year on the promise of the 26 million. I mean, if you knew without question that it was coming, you probably would live a little bit differently. I mean, I guess I could get a loan. Yeah, I gotta pay bills between now and then. I gotta have cash for that, you know. I'd like sell our bond or something. Wait for that check to catch. Rodan and Fields. Yeah, just wait for Dude, it. I'm getting in on wait Plexus. For that check to like get everybody in. who sells Plexus is good looking. I got a friend that sells Plexus. She's good looking. All her friends are good looking. I want to go to these conventions. Mm-hmm. You would not continue to work though the following year if you made twenty six million this year? Not only would I not continue to work the following year, I would not continue to work any year. Twenty six million is probably enough to live on. I have to assume. Would you dip into the principal? Or would you invest the $26 million and then live off the interest going forward? Well, I mean, i got to dip into it at some point. Right? I'm, well, as soon as I get it, I'm going to pay off all my debt and all that. But once, when, when, the, when I'm done, yeah, just living off the interest, I would hope. So, so I you would, like take, would you take $20 million and invest it, put yeah, it where it really good. can't be yeah. touched, and then, like, and then six million blow $6 million? Well, blow is a strong word, but I would you know get debt-free and buy a nice house with all the stuff I want in it and a few other things and go from there. What are the few other things? I don't know. I have to think about that. I, I wouldn't mind a nicer car. You know, some uh, some premium seating options at various sporting venues across the country would be good. So individual games. You wouldn't become a ticket holder. You would just buy individual game tickets? No, no. I would become a ticket holder, and but I would have high-end tickets is what I'm saying. For the Saints? The Saints would, would definitely get my money, yes. Mississippi State? Absolutely. In all three sports. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm getting. I'm getting a um, a loft at the at Denny Noble. That's for sure happening. 
so that you can then be the one under the nah, sheet. Nah, 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 no, I'm not that. That's not, that's not how we do things. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> you might. The, I, the only might change I your whole outlook. Like, it's true. I, I, the, the only thing I would like blow money on, like I don't get anything out of it. You know, if you buy a house, you own the house. I would I would go to Vegas for a week. That's sit at the top, whatever they wherever they film the Hangover. I'm staying there. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking how much money work. would you allow yourself to potentially lose for one would, week in I, Vegas? Would you give yourself mil? a one million dollar bankroll? A quarter mil seems seems good. Okay. Yeah, that's not counting what I spend on food and 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 shows. And um, stuff. friend, that's just my friend, gambling friend. Money. If you go and spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you don't actually have to pay for your food. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Good call. Yeah, I I, I, I have a funny story about that. We were at. Uh, I have no Rip- idea how we got off on this. That's oh, funny. it was Rippy twenty six million for a YouTube kid. Sorry. Yeah, I was at uh, the O'Shea's Casino, which is basically the if you imagine a frat house that had a casino in it. It was really really run down. And we're playing $5 blackjack, and I just looked at the guys like, can we get – their restaurant was a Burger King. That's what they had in there was a Burger King. And I was like, can we get comped at the Burger King? He's like, no, you're playing $5 blackjack. I'm like, it's Burger King. One hand is the cost of a, the Whopper. Come on, man. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> just, wanted, just wanted a cheeseburger at 3 in the morning. And, you know, couldn't get it. Richard and Wiggins says, Rippy, you look pretty young. You might could still pull off eight-year-old toy reviews. I might try it. If I rake in a couple mil, you'll never see me on this show again. Herschel. 26, that is. If I make $26 million in a year, I'll probably retire from Sports Talk Radio. Okay. So y'all keep that in mind. We'll find somebody to replace you. It's okay. Yeah, well, I'll be on my island. <laughs> Herschel you go to in Vegas Laurel. Me, like I asked, though. <laughs> I missed the first part of the show today. Is Billy Napier in the running as a head coach at Mississippi State? I thought last week it was announced he was not a candidate or interested. Well, there you go. You were correct. He did say that um, a couple of national reporters on Thursday afternoon, I think it was. Yeah. Or maybe it was Friday afternoon. It was Friday. Whichever. It was Friday after, after the uh, firing had been made official. Yeah. Uh, said that uh, Napier was not in the running, and then in a press conference in Mobile leading up to the Lending Tree Bowl, uh, Billy Napier said that uh, he was not a candidate for the job, and a lot of people still are convinced that he is a candidate for the job. I guess we will just wait and see. Yeah. Still waiting on one of you to tell me why John Cohen shouldn't throw the bank at Joe Brady. Who cares how old he is? That is on the ceasefire text line. The only the the biggest reason I would say is he runs the same kind of offense as Joe Moorhead. I mean, he runs a pass first offense, and State does not have the personnel for that at this time. So that uh, that would be a that might be one of those things where if you bring Brady and you're like, look, we'll give you plenty of time, plenty of time. Don't worry about it because next year it's going to be rough. You don't have a quarterback and you, that can run that system. I don't think, and you certainly don't have the receivers to do it. Clay and Kill Michael says, "What about Hugh Freeze? Fingers crossed. didn't get any traction at all. Nah, nah. But my, my but my Mullen to the Cowboys rumor got some traction. Evidently, uh, Chris Mortensen said today that if if Jerry Jones was going to hire a college coach, it would have been Mullen. We were so close. 
Um, Will Greg Sankey ever let Hugh Freeze coach in his conference as long as he's the commissioner? Yeah, I think so. I mean, at some point, you, 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 he would it would face a lawsuit, wouldn't he? You would think. Yeah, but then discovery happens. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. There are some other people. Who there, there is there is no interest. There is no interest in discovery. Yeah, there's maybe some other people in the state who need to hear that lesson. Um, no, no, I don't mean that there's not like public interest. I mean, not all parties no, would no, be no, interested no, no. in participating I know what, I know in the what discovery you're trying process. To say. Okay, well, we're on the same page. Leave it right there. Um, <laughs> rewinding just for a second. Dan Mullen talked to Cowboys officials. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. I, I was I mean, told I by... I was great. was told by uh, someone that... Pretty in the know in Gainesville that um, did have a conversation with them and ultimately said, you know, I'm pretty happy where I am. Not that... Uh, don't read that as Dan Mullen turned down the Cowboys job. Right. Just that the discussions didn't really proceed because... Kind of likes where he is and what he's got coming back. And Jerry Jones really wanted to hire somebody this time with NFL experience. Yeah. Probably wanted so. to avoid the sleepover as well. <laughs> ah, well, you know, promo jammies. Uh, yeah, got my uh, my footy pajamas here. And uh, where's my bed? No, no, not true. He sleeps in Jordans. <laughs> They're Jordan footy pajamas. Oh, okay. King Biscuit says Hugh wouldn't have come here any more than we'd have had him, period. Uh, I'm going to respectfully disagree disagree with you, King Biscuit. We're on the same page, Richard. He would crawl over broken glass to get that job. Who? Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze, to get back in the Uh, the state job? Yeah. 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 Yes. Cohen Cohen would be able to get the words out of his mouth. Would you like to be our yes? Done. Do you know how... I'm here for it. That would be. Do you awesome. know how complicatedly spectacular that would be? I'd have some tweets to delete, probably. Yeah, but just the layers, the layers upon layers upon layers of intrigue. Never mind coaching against the team that he was formerly with. I'm talking about the people who would then be covering him and their role in his past. You can delete tweets, but not books. I'm not, I'm not even talking about that.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.